0: You may be seated. when you join me in prayer this morning? As has been mentioned already, this day cannot pass without a sense of loss. A day that almost over 20 years ago now, friends, family, while maybe in a different country, still feels somewhat close to home. We pray for that. We know that in the loss of the Queen this week, ripples throughout the world. Loss, even within our own church family, this morning. So, we invite you to join us in prayer today. Heavenly Father, we ask for your peace this morning. You tell us to cry out to you from feelings of hopelessness, where the sadness feels too heavy, where the pit feels too deep. And so, we come this morning with faith not so simple that you would just fix all these problems in a moment, but that you would comfort us, in a deeper sense would wrap your arms around us, in an even deeper sense you would show us how we are to continue to embody your hope to those who need it most. We pray for our neighbors to the south today, a day that surely is marked for many families, Maybe people that we know that will forever be marked with loss as the world paused, unsure about what would follow. We ask for our own country this morning for prayer, for the Commonwealth nations and the loss of our Queen this week. We ask for the world as we know that events like this do not isolate to one place, but ripple out and have effects to all those in the world. God, we ask within our own church family this morning, we pray for Jolene and her family and the loss of her mother this very morning. We ask that you would wrap your arms around her. We ask that you would give our church the strength and courage to be all that we need to be in moments like this, where the pain feels too immense. Where no answer quite satisfies, but simply presence embodies all that you have for us in moments like this. God, for the many needs represented in our church, both the ones known and unknown, we know that you are present. And so this morning, as we reflect on the ways that you have given new life in the past, would you lead us this morning to imagine how new life could continue even on moments that feel quite, indeed, hopeless. We know that the work that you have called us to, the work that lies before us, the work of compassion, of love, of generosity, while at times may seem immense because it surely is, We know that the one who began a good work will see it through to completion. And so we pray this prayer in faith, knowing that the one who is listening is not gone, did not remain in that tomb, and is not done with us, but in fact is alive. We say this all in your name. Amen. I'm going to invite us this morning here in just a moment to stand one last time as we read our scripture text for us today, a text that I find incredibly insightful for a day such as this. As we begin our new teaching series this month, Living Testimonies, this kind of exploration of this idea that we all have testimonies to share, moments when perhaps God transformed us, changed us, freed us, liberated us, comforted us. Whether moments from stories gone past, from decades ago, moments where we maybe met the Lord for the first time, maybe at altars just like these. We ask this morning how those might not function simply as relics, as stories of the past written down, put on a shelf, never to be read again. But Paul would suggest to us in the text today, and I would suggest to us as well, that these testimonies only when retold, only when reflected on, to put on the front of our minds, that they become more than just a story, that they actually become an invitation. They become an invitation from the God who transformed us once, an invitation to say, I'm still in the business of transformation, still in the business of hope, still in the business of new life. And so as we reflect on our own stories, we're invited to retell those, not just in what we say, but in the ways that we live. So here in a moment, I'll read this text from 1 Timothy, and I'm going to invite you to stand and then respond here at the end. If you've been a part of Skyview for a while, you know this very familiar practice, or if you're with us for the first time. We do this because we want to remember how important the Word of God is. Something that we physically move our bodies to respond to, In moments where we stand, where we respond, reflect, and listen for the way that God is uniquely speaking through these words that were given to us so many years ago. So I invite you to stand as we read from 1 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 12. Paul says this, I am grateful to Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me, because he judged me faithful and appointed me to his service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, a man of violence, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus." The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But for that very reason, I received mercy, so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display the utmost patience, making me an example to those who would come to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I find myself very grateful this morning. Much like Paul, as he said he was grateful to Christ Jesus our Lord for a number of things, I too find myself grateful today. Grateful for many number of things, first being fall kickoff Sunday, I cannot help but reflect on the goodness that God has for us. As the work in the ministry restarts, as things kick off, as things kind of go back into this normal routine and rhythm of a pace that perhaps maybe makes us feel a little bit tired, if we're honest, but nonetheless excites us, I'm grateful for the work that God has entrusted to us. The ministries that I get the pleasure of being a part of, our youth and young adults ministry kicked off this week, and it was, I got to tell you, just so fun. We had young adults over to our house this week for our starting of our small group, and man, it was a good time. Just getting people together in a space that in the moment feels really big before people get there, but then in the moment when everybody's there feels a little cramped. But when I welcomed everybody into our place and then I went downstairs to get something, I saw at my front door just like a whole stack of shoes, and like it just brought me so much joy to see that many because i knew that those reflected the number of people that were in our home i also got the opportunity to hang out with many many great families this friday night we had our youth family night as we kicked off what we do in youth ministry this year we got the opportunity to spend time with just so many great people i can't even believe it how many New families we get to be a part of youth ministry this year. I was reflecting on this year, how grateful I am that we're getting more incoming 7th graders than we graduated out 12th graders. If you've been in youth ministry before, you know kind of the burden of this church I was a part of once. My first Sunday there was graduation Sunday, and we graduated 12 students out of youth group and brought in two I thought, okay, so those years are great, and I'm grateful for them, but this year we brought in five and only graduated one, and so it felt a little more life-giving. had a great time of playing games, laughing together, met with our parents, people that care deeply about their teenagers. And then yesterday, we just had a whole heap of fun with our youth sponsors. We have a great group of people that I've said this time and time again to people that the work that I get to do is never just about me. In fact, if it was just about me, the work would actually not happen, I'm convinced. I have a great group of six awesome adult volunteers that come each and every week and care about our teenagers. And so we went Street lugeing yesterday at Canada Olympic Park. It was awesome. Well, you can ask them who won when we went down the hill, but I may have cut somebody off on one of the turns on the way down. (laughs) But like I said, I'm grateful this morning. I'm grateful for a family who loves me and cares about me. I'm grateful for the many ministries that exist at this church, the ones that I get to be involved in and then the others that other people lead. I'm grateful for our countless leaders, the many people that make what happens here at Skyview possible. It's never just about one person. I'm grateful for our board members today many of whom have reached out to me this week just to check in because they care deeply. I'm grateful to our retired ministers, Pastor Doug, Pastor Ann, Pastor John, who just have so much wisdom to offer in times like these. I'm grateful for a church family, one who is just as excited about the work that is in front of us as I am. A group of people that I get to worship with each and every week. a group of people that teach me something new about who God is and how God is moving in this world. But you know what I'm most grateful for today? As I've been reflecting on Paul's story this week, reading this text could not help but think about my own: the work that God began to do in my heart from the moment that I was born, but then the pivotal moments that happened throughout my history. That moment almost 12 years ago where I responded to the Lord for the first time, where I fell face down and surrendered my life to the Lord, I'm grateful for that. But more than anything, I'm grateful that the Lord that I surrendered my life to wasn't done in that moment. That the Lord that I surrendered my life to in that moment didn't just say, good luck. But the Lord that I surrendered my life to in that moment is still moving, still transforming still offering new life each and every day if I have the courage to see it. And so while I am grateful for what God has done, I am also expectant of what God will do. In our last series, we discussed the importance of faith. We talked about these hallmark moments throughout the church's history. One in particular that I got to reflect on was this moment of the Exodus where God parted the waters and led his people on dry ground through the wilderness to the promised land. This was a story that would become a fixture in the worship of the nation of Israel in the early church. A place, a story that reminded them that only God could move in these kinds of places. That the faith that they were being invited to was a place where they could not sustain on their own. But the faith that they were being invited to was to take them to places that perhaps no one would blame them if they stopped believing. But in fact, this faith was to lead them to places where only God could do the work that God has wanted to do from the very beginning. They were invited to live as if this vision that God had for the world was already true. And through the telling of these stories of grace and transformation, they were to be more than just relics, more than just moments in time that happened once. But they were to respond to them as if these stories not only had something to say about the way they perceived the world, but the way that they would be prompted to follow in the future. I think that often we can be like sponges, maybe more than we would like to admit at times, soaking in all that is around us and on the front of our minds, both the good and the bad, finding it hard to imagine anything outside of that which we have already convinced ourselves to be true. So for this group of people, in this retelling of the story of God, in both the moments where they had faith and the moments where they lacked, this story was to be a sustaining practice. This sort of worship was to be a place that reminded them that even in the moments where faith felt thin, where hope felt absent, That these sort of places would call them to a new life that was defined by a God who parted waters, sustained in the wilderness, shut the mouths of lions, and crumbled the walls of the oppressor. For these stories were to tell something different, not only about the way they would perceive their future, but the way they would respond to it. I think the grace that is received is more than just a provision. This sort of grace that we talk about when we think about the testimonies of faith, the moments where God did something new, can too often be written off as simply a moment where God provided. But I wonder if we should pause to affirm here that the way that we tell our testimonies drastically impacts the way we expect God to move in our present and in our future. When we reflect on the new ways that God might move. When we imagine what the future might look like. Do we imagine God as nothing more than just maybe a used car salesman polishing us up, cleaning us, selling us off, never to be seen again? Do we imagine something more? I think if we should take anything away from Paul's address today, it would be this. That the God who was still is, that the God who was continues to move, that the God who transformed once wants to continue to sanctify us each and every day, that we might more faithfully reflect the nature of Christ, that the work that was once done in us, as powerful and transforming as it is, the day moves on, the challenges change and shift and move, new questions emerge, moments of loss that take us off guard, moments where perhaps that memory of the past no longer sustains. We trust that God continues to move forward. So during these next four weeks, we will consider how, me- how our lives may reflect this same hope that defined Paul and birthed so many communities. In this idea of living testimonies, we're invited to ask questions like these. To what end is our life pointing? What sort of future is being imagined and embodied through the way that we live our lives? Or perhaps if we were willing to ask even this question, for those around us, our family members, neighbors, co-workers. If asked to describe this Jesus solely based on the way that we lived our lives, how would they describe him? If asked to describe this Jesus solely on the way that they saw us respond in moments of loss, in moments of heartache, moments of trauma, uncertainty, how would they describe this Jesus? For Paul makes it very clear that the way that he is being invited to live his life is more about more than just him, but about those who would watch and observe the way that he would live in this world. So Paul begins his address by telling the readers his own story of transformation, one that we find throughout many letters in the New Testament. And as this letter is addressed to Timothy, I can't help but wonder maybe how many times has Timothy heard this story before? I would guess many. We all have that story that maybe a family member, a spouse, a kid is very quick to remind us, you've told that one before. Anybody have that story? (laughs) Someone's quick to remind you that yeah, we've already heard that one, we know how it ends, but I would suggest to us this. The better the story, the more it is to be told. The better the story is, the more place that it takes in the front of our minds And so Paul tells the story, the story above all stories, the story that he cannot escape for himself because it not only changed the way he experienced that moment years prior, but would go on to influence the way that he experienced everything in his life moving forward. I think that's a pretty good story. So as we think about our own stories, Stories that aren't just defined by our own insufficiency, but more so are defined by the sufficiency of the God who comes near to us. sounds like a pretty good story to me. As I've had the opportunity to get to know you more and more over these last couple of years, I've heard some incredible stories. Some moments where you responded to what the Lord was calling you to, moments where you chose to surrender yourself to something bigger. And while those stories are marked with an incredible sense of surrender and willingness, an acknowledgement and humility that we aren't enough on our own, the story is also marked with something else. Marked with a God who is more than able. That the work to which he is calling you, calling us as a people, as a church, as a community, is more than able and willing. To bring that work to completion. So as Paul reflects on how now he shares what he believes is the heart of the gospel. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners for whom I am the foremost. Some translations say the chief sinner. Paul wanted it to be clear that he knew where he came from. He knew the things that he had done. If you read throughout scripture, you begin to understand quite the journey that Paul had, as even in his own belief that what he did was right, as readers we can read and gasp for a moment at the atrocities that Paul both participated in and propagated towards the Christian community. Paul isn't dishonest about where he has come from, but acknowledges so. As a way to propel this transforming work that God has for him. To say that even me, even me where I came from, God has invited me to his service. That even as insufficient as I was, in fact, even as counter as I was, as I moved not just in no direction, but moved in the opposite direction of anywhere that God would be calling me, God still saved a reminder to each and all of us this morning no one's too far gone for the transforming love of god not one of us is too far gone for the power of christ jesus not just us who sit in this church but no one no neighbor no coworker no family member that perhaps we are tempted to give up on at times is too far gone for the transforming love of God. Paul refers to himself as this chief sinner as a way to highlight and accent what God is doing in the world. And his whole life is permeated with thanksgiving for the one who transformed him. His story sandwiched between these two statements of praise show that he's not only thankful for his transformation but more importantly his right to be an apostle, a follower a servant, one who responds to the daily work and invitation of Christ. He says in verse 12, I'm grateful to Christ Jesus our Lord who strengthened me because he judged me faithful and appointed me to his service. I can't help but hear Paul's voice in this moment, appointed me. Like almost if it's a question, wondering if he actually believes it. He appointed me? What a statement of faith that reminds us once again that no one's too far gone for the gospel. But our very presence here today should suggest and remind us that God can do anything with those who are willing. Because he judged me faithful and appointed me to his service, Paul affirms not that he is trusted because of his own capacity. In other words, saying, there's nothing special about me. But in fact, God already loved me from the very beginning. And when he states this in verse 12, rather than commenting on his own ability, he makes a statement of faith, trusting that the one who has called him will supply him with all that is needed to do the work. For to be invited to the service of Christ is an affirmation that the one who invites us is able and willing to complete the work set before us. He would say later to the church in Philippi, I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, if we ever feel overwhelmed, intimidated, insufficient for the opportunities that lie before us, perhaps the callings that God has put on our heart, the moments where we feel a strong conviction to respond or lead. Whether in the ministries we find here at our local church or even in our neighborhoods with certain friends, family members, people who others have given up on, that the very affirmation that there is need in front of us should be a reminder that the one who alerted our attention, the one who gave us the ears and the eyes to see and hear the various needs that exist around us, is also the one who will supply all that we need. I need to hear that this week. That the work that God has put before me, the work that God has put before you, The work that God has put before us as a community of faith feels immense, because it is. Does anybody feel that today? Fall kickoff is a great Sunday, but also an intimidating one, if I'm honest with myself. Because of the many needs and ministries that begin to move at a pace that I feel like at times I can't sustain on my own, but I trust As I've reflected on the scripture this week, I've heard the voice of the Lord say to me time and time again, and I would say it to you today, I will provide. Do you feel yourself tired this morning, downtrodden, uncertain, perhaps underqualified to do that which you feel like is in front of you? I would suggest to you today that the very fact that you know that the need exists suggests that we serve a God that is already there. If you look at an area of your life that just feels hopeless, exhausting, you feel like you don't know what to do, God's already there. Different family members that I have tension with. God's already there. Neighbors that I just don't quite know how to relate to, God's already there. Ministries that I feel so overwhelmed and underqualified to lead faithfully, God's already there. As a church, as we think about all the various projects, initiatives, hopes, and dreams that we have for this year and the many coming forward. God is already there. I'll close with the words of the psalmist found in chapter 40. Because oftentimes, when we affirm that God is already there, we say, God, that's great, but can you hurry up a little bit? Can you quicken your pace maybe a bit? I know that you want to provide the strength and the wisdom, and the understanding to be able to do that which you called me to, but could you just like do it a little bit quicker? The psalmist in chapter 40 reminds us of these words. I invite the worship team to come forward as we close with this. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the desolate pit out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our Lord. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. As we reflect over these next few weeks what it means for our lives to not just remember, But witness to something, that the way that we engage with those around us in our everyday lives and responsibilities and expectations, as we ask ourselves honestly to what end are we pointing, and we pray that the transforming love that God maybe had for us back then, we would continue to live out each and every day. In all of those things, we say this. I wait patiently for the Lord, for the Lord who can supply and is willing to give all that is needed.